Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity, and it is a special edition tonight. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And I am here with the phenomenal Alex Harrington. He is the executive director, founder. What other title do you have, Alex? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I, I have no saying. Uh, I, I am the top of the bottom or the bottom of the top. So Alex here. Alex, just Alex is fine. Yes. Alex is um, head of Federal Career Connection, which is an amazing organization that I'm actually on the board of now. Woohoo! Um, helping folks get into either federal opportunities and or get promotions within the federal government. So, Alex's organization has been doing such phenomenal work um, over the past number of years. And for about a year or so, a little over a year, we have been doing these one-on-one -on -one sessions once a month, bringing in various people from FCC to come in and talk about technology. I want to make sure I'm not hearing feedback. Are you hearing anything, Alex? I'm not hearing any feedback from okay. you. Okay. How about, how about my end? Is it clear on you your sound, end? You sound crystal clear on your end. Great. All right. Awesome. So I know people are going to chime in with questions later, but Alex, you were telling me an awesome story about a cybersecurity leader that you met from the Coast Guard that gave you some awesome tips on and pet peeves on what people should do and not do when they're trying to break into the industry. So I'm super excited to hear about it. And I look forward to um, our conversation tonight. That, that is awesome. No, it's great. And I, um, you know, I have to admit, it is, you know, the one of the things I think everyone uh, in your community, in your audience, everyone should know is that when you when you're meeting people out there, when you're when you're networking, either intentionally or unintentionally, when you come across an individual and you just spark a good conversation. Uh, the one thing I try to do is learn about them. It's one of those uh, those awesome habits when you meet people. You, you really you're in the listening mode, especially when you first meet them. It's not all about you. It's really about them. So when I met this individual at my of all places, a, a farewell uh, of my wife I'm, with my wife's work, their uh, her boss is actually leaving, so they did a farewell for him. And of all the individuals, I tend to kind of mingle. I'm one of those individuals who try to start, you know, I go to different individuals to try to start a conversation uh, and try to find something to kind of spark that conversation. And obviously, one of the, I think the one, one thing to keep in mind when you're trying to spark a conversation that will hopefully kind of maybe allow you to learn about that individual and hopefully maybe down the road end up uh, and hopefully end up you know, being a possible contact in your in your networking circles, you, you find something that you can kind of use it as a as a as a match to like that uh, to spark that conversation. For me, what I find easy with people who have who have tattoos, I love asking. You know, my first question all the time is, or I actually make a statement. I said, "That's really amazing ink on your arm. Tell me about the meaning behind it," and I just listen. And so that's that's what I did with this individual. Great he had, question. He had some ink on his arm, and I say, "Hey, you know, what's the meaning behind it?" And then we got rolling into he enjoys. He's a master of knowledge 
uh, when it comes to uh, some of his hobbies. And, and, and of course, you know, he mentioned about, you know, I, I got to that point. So I, I've asked him, you know, what do you do for work? And he, and he, he mentioned that he is, you know, he serves in the, in the Coast Guard and, um, and that he leaves a cybersecurity team. So I started then picking his brain. And so I'm hoping to share some, just some, maybe some, uh, in, in a paraphrasing way, um, uh, I hope to share some of some t- uh, some of his insights uh, when it comes to looking for candidates uh, who are trying who are trying to break into cybersecurity. So I hope I hopefully we can kind of uh, mine out some of those nuggets I had with uh, had in that conversation with this individual this past weekend. Alex, that sounds fantastic. But before you jump into him, I think just given that little nugget of how to network. Um, specifically because we have so many cybersecurity professionals that tend to be introverts, that tend to, you know, be uncomfortable when it comes to networking and not know what to say, how to spark a conversation. What are some other things, before we jump into what he was providing, what are some other tips that you may have for them since you're such a great mover and shaker to tell folks about how to, you know, kind of break the ice when they are at networking events or parties or anything where you can learn more about what people are doing. You know, that's a very good, that's a very good, uh, good uh, uh, observation from your end. And it's a very good topic to talk about uh, before we get into the nuggets of that conversation with this individual from the Coast Guard. Uh, when it comes to networking, especially for individuals who are maybe not so social or not on the uh, or not classified as an extrovert uh, uh, in the Myer, in the Myers Briggs scale or any other type of personality or vocational test, for those who are more uh, kind of introverted or more kind of the the kind of very comfortable uh, kind of really kind of staying in their corner. Uh, my first advice is to buck up and get out there, buck up and get out there to get in, to fit in. Uh, and so, and that's actually good. Let's use that as, a, as the first point, get in where you can fit in. And so for you, when it comes to networking, if you are uncomfortable, you have to actually embrace it and get out there to get in, to, to, to get it, to, to get in there, to fit in, in these, in these circles of yours. Um, and these networking circles can be, uh, and think of it as a, as a, as a um, to help you get in, to fit in. Maybe be intentional. What type, what type of uh, circles that you are that uh, that you're trying to maybe break into or trying to expand? Then be intentional about it. And the best way, and I've done it myself, is I've created a kind of a taxonomy, and I've and I can even follow up with this conversation with a with some information on potential uh, networking circles to help you be more intentional. Be more uh, methodical and uh, in, in the approach of uh, in, in, when you're approaching these uh, these these networking circles. And for example, uh, it could be one networking circle can be um, your professional association that that organization that you are a member with that is that is that represents your respective uh, industry. Also, uh, um, uh, you know, when it comes to professional networks. Uh, such as uh, if you're part of a, uh, you know, in a part, like a chamber of commerce or, uh, you know, some places 
the Lions Club, uh, or the or it comes to Toastmasters. Those type of professional circles that you can potentially expand your network. Uh, you can also use your uh, alumni circles, or you can use your maybe fraternity or sorority uh, circles. Uh, social media is a circle itself, like LinkedIn. So my first, uh, I think the number one recommendation within this get in to fit in is uh, be intentional about the networking circles that you want to engage with. So that's that's number one. Number two, um, always remember it's about them. It's not about you when you're networking. We live in a day where it's almost like the the I is becoming dominant. And I'm actually it's kind of it's frustrating sometimes when you're networking with individuals uh, where you it's really all about them. And so I, uh, you have to remember, uh, networking is thinking about the other individual's needs, their wants, uh, what, what really kind of what's the so what for them. That's how you really start that relationship when they feel valued, they feel connected. And that's when you then can think about you. So in that second point is, is it's all about the, about the individual who you're trying to network with. So, for example, this individual who I met uh, at this social last weekend, uh, he's an officer in the Coast Guard. Uh, he enjoys wine. Uh, he's happily married. Uh, he does. Uh, he seems physically fit. Uh, they have a new uh, found uh, puppy that they love. Uh, they, uh, he's from uh, his heart's in California. And, uh, and he's looking to transition to the GS world after he retires from the Coast Guard. I learned a lot about this individual. Um, he doesn't know much about me, though. And that was the intention. That's the when you're building that relationship, it's really all about him. So obviously, though, I was thinking about folks in your in you know other job seekers. So I did pick his brain, uh, and it comes to his knowledge. So another way to develop that relationship is uh, I call it tickle the belly a little bit, is, is, is kind of talk about what they really enjoy doing. I talk about you know, an article that they wrote or a blog they posted. Really kind of just really kind of hone in on their either a, a, a special skill set or a unique knowledge point. But again, that second point is make sure it's all about them. So the first is, you know, those ex is introverts. You got to get in to fit in. And one strategy is be methodical of how you develop your, your networking circles. You can create a taxonomy, if you will, to organize these circles. Number two, it's all about them. It's not about you. And, and honestly, you got to make sure you remind yourself when you're talking about uh, talking to people. You got to make it about them. You know, God gave us two ears and, and, and one mouth. Use them accordingly. And the third point, and by the way, I'm kind of shooting this from the hip, so hopefully it's coming out a little bit, you know, a little bit. Uh, somewhat it's great. The third point that I would recommend is to be observant. Be observant. Now, it's easy if you're in the office if you're, or in a social environment, whatever, be observant, basically, of something that they're either wearing or what they're saying or, you know, um, or how they're saying it so that you can use it. You can weave it in. Now, in the office, it's so easy because when you're sitting in someone's office, you can look. You, and this is what I do when I do interviews. When, I, when I'm networking, when I'm doing my thing, 
I would scan the office for like five or 10 seconds and, and, and find the dominant um, artifacts. And that means it could be family photos, uh, 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 sports, basketball, photos, whatever. It's easy to pick up on something and then talk about it. And I'll give you an example. And I did this virtually. I had what, my uh, last promotion was at GSA and I had an interview panel. And fortunately, I knew the names. So I Googled them and I, linked, and I looked on the LinkedIn and I tried to find one thing that I had in common with each of those individuals. One individual was from Italy. So obviously when I was, we're shaking hands and all that, I, I brought up something, talk about Italy. So for, for that, um, you know, that third point, when it comes to networking, you got to be observant. You got to observe uh, 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 something, you know, uh, uh, either, either observe something about them or what they're wearing or where they're sitting, their environment, so that you can pull something to use it in your converse, conversation. Now, I'll give you one other example. And it was kind of a hard conversation in that social last week. I uh, ended up talking as well with, with this other individual. And most of the people had their, their own little circles in, that, in this event uh, last weekend. There was one individual who was standing kind of by themselves most, you know, most of the time. So I went in. And, of course, uh, you know, I, was, I started trying to have a conversation with this gentleman. It was kind of hard. And then I, third or fourth question, I said, hey, you know, Tom, where do you work? What do you do? And he said, well, I used to work for, uh, he says, I, I'm a driver for UPS. And I jumped on it. Bam. Well, I used to hire for UPS in, in Middleburg, Ohio. And I used to, and I told him, you know, I said, you know what, before I became the, uh, the, the before I sat in my position, uh, as that manager, I had to sit. I had to sit two weeks as a preloader. I actually didn't sit. I had to actually serve as a preloader and reloader. And how I it just busted my butt loading those trucks. So we ended up talking because uh, I found that common element. Because uh, most of these people in the, in the at the social were white collars. He was the only blue collar. And me, I'm a hybrid. I'm a, I'm a, a kind of a professional misfit. I, I started my life as a blue collar, and I, I transitioned into white collar. So, you know, even if the conversation is, 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 is difficult uh, when it comes with somebody, you're kind of like really trying to, you find, it, you find yourself kind of, you know, it's kind of a, uh, an effort to start this conversation. Again, remember these, those three elements, I, these three main points that I talked about. Number one, you know, make sure that, uh, you, know, you know, when you to get in to fit in, Make sure that as you're talking to somebody, think about what type of what type of circle they fall into, and and pull use your tacit knowledge to add to that conversation that is associated to that respective circle. Two, uh, it's it's all about them, not about you. And three, uh, again, be observant. And so for me, I was asking questions, and once I once once, once this individual uh, basically spoke one, a, a term that I was able to connect to. I jumped on it. So networking is difficult. I get it for some people. Me, actually, it's easy for me, actually. But for other people, uh, it's actually, I know it's kind of a trained, it's kind of a trained art. But for those introverts, and I'm talking to you specifically, if you're not a networker, you got to buck up, take some of these principles I just talked about, and, you know, get out there and build your contacts. Okay. That is phenomenal, Alex. Uh, it's Owen here says, I'm a big introvert. It's one of my self-improvement areas that I'm working on. 
And he also had a follow-up question, wants to know, what does someone who's new have to offer to someone who's well-established? <laughs> so, so the base of the question is, what does someone who's new have to offer to someone who's well-established? Yeah. That's actually a very good question. Um, let me just actually answer this in two parts. If this is the same individual who basically who said, you know, I, this is one of my self-improvement areas, mm-hmm. my advice, and I've done it myself, is that you go to a social event or a so you go to a, a, like a paid event by yourself and you mingle and you talk, a play or a concert, something. Get in there by yourself. Don't go with anybody who you're friends with. Just go somewhere in a strange environment. Get in there and learn how to speak to people by trying basically training on strangers. Because most likely you may not see them again. So if you feel like you kind of messed up, that's okay. It's just training ground. So one good self-development technique is to go somewhere by yourself when, when, within the gathering and, uh, and, and have fun. And one great rec- one good recommendation is, my wife and I actually did it recently, is there's a lot of vineyards out there, a lot of apple picking out there, out in the, you know, when it comes to the uh, west part of either Virginia or other areas. Find some outside activities and, and go out there by yourself and see if you can actually start a conversation with a stranger. That's a good way to build up those skills. The second part, what does someone who's new, to, uh, new have to offer to someone who's well-established? Well, you know what? It depends on the context. Obviously, we all have unique uh, interests. We all are unique individuals. So there's, you know, when it comes to starting a conversation in a kind of a, a just a, like a general context, uh, you know, the best way to offer something is by listening. I think the best way to to really a, gain a favor and gain respect is just be a good listener and, and asking probing questions. Uh, try not to be that you know over aggressive. We have had some of those encounters in our life, but be you know kind of you know be of interest, be genuine with them, and and really have you know really help them or you know you know really listen to them and what their passions are because every individual. They have a passion. They have something they love talking about. So just expand. Just you know, I want to. I want you, and you know, the term has come to my mind is exploit, but it's not the right term. I just want you to be able to when you're conversing with somebody, and they and they start talking about something they really do enjoy talking about it. I want you to really just expand, uh, just expand on it to ask probing questions. Use some, uh, I would say, when it comes to listening, uh, use some reflective listening, such as, man, you must really enjoy what you do. Those, those type of statements and really get them talking. So when it comes to people who are new in, the, in, in any, con, in any in, in industry, the best way to build rapport is, again, it goes back to listening. And I've learned by mistakes. I, I've walked in some environments where, I start flapping my lip, thinking I knew something. I didn't know anything. And, of course, the individuals knew around me. They knew I didn't know uh, know anything. Now, when I'm in certain groups, I will actually just listen more and more and more. I'll actually, even when my my work, I tend to listen more to either the stakeholders or who I'm talking with just to – just to be able to actually um, build that that build that uh, better relationship. Hopefully, hopefully that will help you when it comes to your 
when it comes to your uh, career, uh, when it comes to a, a, trying to go to that next level, just always know listening is a good tool, a good technique to use in any type of level that you're at. Thank you so much, Alex. And I would also add to that to just be curious. I think when you're curious about people, then it doesn't come off as, you know, a ton of aggressive probing questions. If they're telling you, you know, about, I don't know, a hobby or their work or whatever, just be interested, be, be curious about what's going on, which is, you know, a huge skill in security. And I think just a huge skill overall that leaders look for in talent. They always talk about passion, curiosity. So I would say to also use that in the networking sense as well. Most definitely. Okay, perfect. BB is here. Hey, BB. Hey, BB. Okay, so let's jump in and talk about this young man that you met who is a cybersecurity leader who's been hiring talent, who is giving us the scoop on what's cool, what he loves, what he doesn't like, um, and what we can do to help get folks into the industry. You know, I, thank you. And I think you've you've actually really just said one one good point you about being curious. So this conversation with this individual, you know, and we we're talking about candidates because I, I mentioned that, you know, I do I do hiring myself. I build teams and we talked about candidates, especially those candidates at interviews. We shared our stories as hiring managers. And so, um, you know, the one thing, and I definitely agree with this individual, he said, Alex, you know, the one thing that I find, you know, on the resume, you know, they, they, they just shine. Obviously your, your resume is a marketing tool and it's supposed to, it's supposed to actually highlight your accomplishments. It's, it's, it's supposed to help you, you know, you toot your horn, uh, make you shine. It's a marketing tool. You don't want a marketing tool that's going to, you know, put you under the, kick you under the bus. No. So your, your resume is going to help you shine. Most definitely. Always remember that. Your resume is a marketing tool. Always know that. With that, with that in mind, you know, as, an, as a hiring manager, as this individual, Kaveh, he looks at this resume. He sees a stellar candidate. But when they start interviewing this candidate and start asking uh, behavior-based questions, their responses are, you know, basically, you know, the resume is Apple, but this candidate is giving off, is basically speaking in prunes, you know, dried up prunes. And, and of course, we, you know, our, our, our collective theory is, is that sometimes when a, a, a job seeker, when, they, when they're building their resume, uh, sometimes they actually either pay somebody to write it or they maybe copy something, they go to other resources, maybe lift and shift, as I call it, you know, lift, you know, basic crosswalking, similar language into their resume without thinking about, you know, can they support the points they're making in that resume? And so just remember this, your resume is a, is, is truly, is actually, it's, truly an extension of who you are in a marketing way. you got your summer qualifications that basically says, I'm all that, okay? And then you got your experience that gives evidence to I'm all that. And then kind of that third part is kind of your professional interests or things like that, any, uh, any professional uh, articles, anything published by you, you know, and whatnot, okay? 
So it's kind of in three major parts about who you, that really kind of reflects who you are professionally. Um, the frustration that this individual and I shared was, is this, is that when you write your resume and what's in your resume, you need to be able to back up every bullet point, every bullet point. And how you do that? Well, star stories. And oh, this has been around for a while in the in the career development arena. So it's not a probably a, 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 a foreign term to you. Star stories. You have to have star stories for every point you have in your resume. And the best way to, to have, you know, to, to have your star stories is to write them down and keep a, a collection of your star stories. I do the same thing. Uh, matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I started kind of putting in my star stories for this last, this, you know, almost near, uh, near ending fiscal year. I took my performance plan and my performance objectives and I translated them into star stories. So every year I update my list of star stories in my own uh, personal swipe file. And so keep in mind, the main point is make sure you can back up what's in your resume. Either your resume is truly a, a reflection of your professional, your person, your professional and your personal accomplishments. Or it's, I'll say it like it is, it's, it's, it's lipstick on a pig. It reflects nothing of you. And so when you and how you and how a hiring manager knows that is when you start speaking at interviews. Or when you start kind of uh, have to respond to maybe uh, essay related questions in the application, so make sure that your 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 resume itself is a reflection of who you are, who you are, and that you can back it up. And the best way to back up those 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 nuggets in that resume, those 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 accomplishments in that resume, is using star stories. Okay. Second thing, so, we kind of talk, go ahead, go Alex. Ahead. Before you move on, um, did you just did you did you um, did you confirm what STAR stands for? S T A R. Oh, I'm sorry. So again, thank you, thank you, Renee. <laughs> so, so again, my assumption is, and for most people in the work world or those who are going into the work world because you've been through either college and you went to career services or, or a, a guidance counselor in a high school they talk about these things but i, I probably should i i gotta make sure that everyone understands mm-hmm. uh, a star stands for this uh it's, it's almost like very similar to another uh, uh acronym that helps you highlight your accomplishments so let me just say this in short star stories are your are your significant accomplishments and STAR stands for situation, tactics, or task, task, action, results. Situation, task, action, re- results. It's just a, 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 a structured format of how you write your significant accomplishment. It helps you, it actually it helps you uh, uh, kind of uh, prevents you from kind of writing a, a typical job duty, such as I attend meetings. Right. Instead, it helps you really hone in on, hone in on your significant accomplishments by using this structured format. So STAR stands for situation. The situation is this. 
It could be a strategic, a strategic or organizational requirement. Could be a, a, a like a challenge or an issue you're facing in the uh, facing in the in your current job or uh, or facing as a team something that was going against you guys, such as uh, low budget or high demand. Uh, task is something either you're either is either uh, directed by a supervisor or by uh, by the manager or something that you take on your own is kind of an objective that you're trying to uh, trying to um, trying to accomplish and of course a actions are all the steps that you took to accomplish that uh, that uh, that significant accomplishment and of course uh, R, of course, is results. Either you can quantify it by numbers, by percentages, or qualify it by great uh, or by an award that you received or by a quote. But STAR, that is what STAR stands for. And it's in short, it's just a structured format to help you highlight your significant accomplishments. Take it back to the resume that plugs into your resume, that backs up your resume in those bullet points you have in there. So when you do send it out, when you do sit before either a hiring, man, hiring manager or a, or a panel, you'll, you'll be able to back up those bullets with some amazing examples of your significant accomplishments. But thank you, Renee. No, that's an excellent point. Um, there's some comments here, but before I get to the comments, I just wanted to say that it is fascinating to me. And I, and I like to your point, I get why people's marketing document is, you know, top notch. But then when you ask them to speak to it, it's a it's to your point, lipstick on a pig. It's like, did they really do this? And sometimes people have done it. Hopefully they've done it, but just haven't practiced how to articulate it in an interview format or they get so nervous or whatever it is that they just, you know, completely clam up. Um, and I think part of it is a lack of practice too. Um, sometimes I, t I tell people I used to, especially new grads and folks that have rusty that haven't interviewed in a while, just go on interviews. Even if you don't want the job, actually it, it's better if you don't want it because then you can work out, you know, shake off the kinks. You get, you start to understand what people are looking for, how you respond to the questions, um, and you just get better and better at interviewing. And you that's know, just a, a huge skill. It's a very good point you just made because I get a lot of you know, a lot of feds. They struggle with that. They like, well, you know, I have this pending job offer, or this maybe tentative uh, pending. Who knows? They're waiting. They haven't heard. You know, you know either or. And they have an a, a they have a invite to uh, to go to interview, and they're they're sometimes kind of ah, maybe I shouldn't do this. And I tell them, go on interviews. There's nothing wrong with going on an interview. It's like nothing wrong going on a date. You don't have to marry them, but go on interviews. Even if the job is not of your interest, go into the interview, but in, with the mindset I'm just going to practice and do my best so I can get better and better and better. I'll be honest with you guys, you know, what I've been able to do tonight, I mean, I, 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 it took years. But when I speak to people, I know this. I need to leave you guys nuggets. So I break it apart into small little points. And so either, even, even though I'm shooting from the hips, I start thinking about what main points, what main nuggets would be for you. When I was in my 20s, I never thought that way. So it takes time and practice. 
So go on interviews, every one of them. Don't be selective. Go on every one of them. Get better at what you do. I agree. Practice, practice. I think BB put that in here. Sometimes people cannot articulate what is on the resume. Practice, practice. So true, BB. A couple other points that were back here. Um, Clinton Walker is here. Hey, Clinton. He says, hello, Renee. Hello, Alex. Clinton is always here. Uh, he says, star is great. I love using it. Great tool and approach. Um, it's Owen says, that's great advice. He's adding it to the to-do list. And I think that's when you talked about keeping a running roster of the stories like as they're happening. Because I can tell you, it's so funny. I'm in the middle of putting together you know, a document right now. And I have to think back and wonder, what did I do again? And someone was, <laughs> someone was, was telling me about some of the um, the community service work that I've been doing. And she was just like, oh yeah, you did this, this. I was like, oh yeah, I did. Like, I completely forgot about it. Let me, can I just inject one thing? Cause you just said something that's triggered something in my mind. And in this, let's hone in, let's actually hone in on STAR. I don't want to forget maybe two other points with this individual uh, who leads a cybersecurity team in the Coast Guard, but I want to inject one thing. Obviously, we talked about the importance of networking. And by the way, folks, and, and Renee, if you can put it into the comments, uh, they can go to federalcurrentconnection.org, the blog, type in networking, and it, you, you'll bring up a couple blogs about networking. I also have a blog that has information about the STAR. And so uh, you can always go to our blog to, to read more about what we're saying tonight. So we talked about the importance of networking and we talked about uh, the importance of highlighting your significant accomplishments. And one good, one very good way, uh, good practice is using the star format. But Renee, you mentioned something else that you can, I can point into the star format conversation in this little, this little uh, point of ours. Uh, the worst thing to think, the worst thing to do when you're, you're creating a resume is trying to think about what did I do? one, two, or three years ago. And it's unfortunate because people, I find a lot of employees, a lot of coworkers, I mean, let's just say employees. They're very hard workers when it comes to the organization's requirements, but they're very lazy when it comes to their career management. Let me say this again. They're very they're hard workers when it comes to other people's requirements, the organization's requirements, when a task is given to you, you're a hard worker. I get it. But you're very lazy when it comes to career management. I'm not sure why that happens. There's a you're giving most of your energy to one uh, an organiz- uh, to an entity outside yourself, but you're not managing your own career. Let me tell you how I do mine. I kind of use a bifurcated approach. Um, when I start creating a star story, remember I mentioned. And Renee, if you, I can't see your comment. So if you can uh, write in a uh, uh, situation, task, action, result. Beginning of every year, for me, it's beginning of every fiscal year. I put together my performance plan. And in my performance plan, every time I think of a new project or new kind of initiative I want to focus on, either uh, a, long, a long-term initiative or a short-term initiative, I actually start writing my star story right then and there. And how I do it is, is that when I propose my objectives to the big boss, I provide them, number one, the situation, an executive requirement, a strategic goal, 
or a, 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 an issue dealing with the team, I actually pose, I give them the situation and I give them my objective, the task. So I basically, at my level, not my, I'm going to say at my level, at my age, I know now I don't, I don't wait to be told to do something. I give the big boss, here's the objective you should be giving me. Here's your pain area. Here's my proposed objective. So at the beginning of the year, I already have written this S, the, situ, the, 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 the narrative for the situation and the narrative for the, for the task. So I've already actually accomplished two of the four letters in the beginning of the year. The action is the project plan. It's a plan, MBO, management by objectives, Gantt chart, whatever you use. You build the actions by the plan you built for that initiative. It could be as simple as these are the steps we're going to take in an email. And the results, well, you have to wait for them. You've got to see what either, either, either you accomplish an output. And you guys should know what that is. I'm not going to explain that. Output, you should know. If you don't know what output is, go to Google, type in project management or program management, type in output and learn what an output is. Or an outcome. So I start my star story at the beginning of every year. Could be calendar year, could be fiscal year. My team knows it with federal career connection, and the government knows it when it comes to my performance plan. So at the end of the year, the only thing I'm doing into my star stories, I'm taking what I've done and I lift and I shift it into my star story list. No work at all because I've done all the front labor in the beginning of the year. If you're not doing that, and I say this with love because I want you to find gainful employment and enjoy what you do, because when you enjoy what you do, you're going to help others around you. If you're not doing that, you're lazy. You're lazy in your career management. And I say that with love. you got to make sure you manage your career you're like, like you're the CEO of your own organization, which is you. And that's how you capture your amazing star stories is by the beginning of the year. Alex, I have a question for you. Yes, Because I wonder if people are actually lazy because what I think about, I, I would not have known, you know, I learned this a little bit later on in my career too. And I think about how beneficial it would have been if I knew about it earlier in my career And so I wonder if people just don't know (laughs) to do things like this versus the actual, you know, I'm not going to do it. Like, I think if more people knew this earlier on, you would have more people doing it. You know, that's another good side of it, too. And I know I'm a little bit tough on here, and I'm not going to be honest with you. It's good. It's good to be tough. I'm not going to apologize, guys. I want you to be the best of what you can be. And by the way, I'm a Marine vet, and this comes out too. But let me just say this. If somebody says, well, I just didn't, they either blame it on their guidance counselor or they blame it on career services or they, whoever they blame it on, at the end of the day, when you're on your, when you're, when you're facing your, your vocational pathway in life, you got to make the choice. Do you want it to depend on others or do you want to actually pull up the bootstraps and walk it yourself? Um, it was easy for me because I didn't really have a home. 
And so at one point in my life, I slept in a car and, and had been by pretty much kind of on my own in a lot of ways. So I didn't have that luxury to go back home and stay in the basement until I'm like 38. I didn't have it. So I ended up joining the Marine Corps. And so for me, my advice is this. If you, and, and I'm going to say, let me just put the context of laziness. It's not being lazy in a bad way. It's that you're giving your energy, you're giving a lot of energy to other, other, other organizations, other groups. You're giving all that time to them, and you're taking that precious time away from you when it comes to career management. And when it gets, when it finally, when you do sit down and you're like, okay, it's about me, you're just too tired. And I get that. Well, that's the thing. So I was going to just, let's change that syntax and the term laziness. However, somebody may say, well, I just didn't know. Well, let me just challenge you. Let me, uh, BB out there. And was it Winston out there? Do me a favor. Just do this. Let's have fun. Go to Google. Or go to a search engine, I tend to use Google, and type in using a basic, uh, just a basic phrase, how do I manage my career? And, yeah. and most likely, if you type that in, you're going you're gonna to come across some articles, some, some blogs, some information that gives you some major points that Renee and I, we tend to reiterate a lot of times in these sessions. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says, I just didn't know, I don't, I wonder, I, I have to question that given that we're in the information age where information is at the, really, it's at the end of your fingers and you can actually find information to kind of learn the basic principles and techniques of how to manage your career. I'll just say one last thing on career management, such as keeping account of your star stories. Um, you know, at, in, in the 1940s, as they were building, uh, uh, setting up guidance of, of really counseling offices within high schools in the U.S., there was an individual who basically uh, stated one time, and I, know, I don't remember this person's name, but they stated, when it comes to your career, finding a career, finding your vocation is just as important as finding, finding a spouse, and that's how important your, your career is, is that it because because it really is part of you because your career is an extension of the gift inside you, that God given gift that's given to you that you need to act out on to find that mission in your life, that purpose in your life. It could be in cybersecurity, could be in the nonprofit, could be in the public arena, could be volunteering. But to find it takes work. There's not too many of us like Tiger Woods, who pretty much knew he was a good golfer at age three. Not many of us like that out there. The majority of us, we have to scrape and find our natural bent of ours. And it's not easy work. It's actually hard work. So in this career environment, there's one side, I'll use the term laziness, and in the, in the, in the syntax for laziness is that you, you give all the energy up for, to other people, and you don't have enough for you. The way to kind of combat that, address it, is start your star stories of the beginning of the calendar or fiscal year. The other side, the I just don't know. The information's out there. I, I, I just cannot think that right now if somebody doesn't know 
how to write a resume when there's so many resources on the internet that you can find. Okay. Okay. So BB says a couple comments here. Um, I see she's posting something. What is that? that she board? posts all this good stuff. But I'm, I'm going to go back in some of the comments. Oh, I love BB. Uh, I love BB too. So, uh, Dave Michi is here. Glad to be able to join. Hello, Renee. Hello, Alex. Taking notes. Awesome. We we worked with David last week on some resume um, resume help, and things change. That's another another point. You know, like we there's some things in resumes that definitely stay very relatively consistent or have stayed consistent for what I've seen for the past twenty years. But then there are some things that change, and we had a really good conversation around um, tenure. You know, how tenure has gotten shorter and shorter over the years and, you know, the various populations and, you know, how long on average folks are staying in, in opportunities and what look, may look like jumpy, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago is pretty standard now. So we had, um, you know, a pretty lively conversation around just the evolution of resumes and what was considered job hopping. Um what decade, let me ask you, what was, I don't use the term decade. I won't say year. What decade did resume start? Gosh, that's a good question. I'm thinking, did it start in the 50s? Honor about 1933. Oh, wow. Before- it started in New York. New York is the, the hub of business. That's where the resume started kind of developing organically is in New York in the mm-hmm. 1930s. But you're right to say resumes, in some ways, the standards have not changed, such as chronological combination, hybrids, yeah. things like that. It has changed in some other areas. Instead of using job titles, a lot of times we're now using as a branding tool, starting off with your core competencies instead of job title. Mm-hmm. Yes, things have definitely changed. Uh, but uh, in a lot of ways, it has stayed static in some elements because, you know, it's just we're so used to looking at a certain, a certain way. Resume. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about chronological versus functional. And I told him, do you just got to go chronological because functional, yeah. it's always a question. There's so few of them around in business. Now, I don't know how I don't know what it, what it is for, like medical profession, other professions. But in business, from what I've seen, it's whenever this functional people's eyes go it doesn't, it just doesn't line up. So, okay, more comments here. Uh, I think I said this one already. Clinton says, Star is great. I love using it. Um, David, I love backing, I love backup those nuggets in your resume. I actually learned the star process in college. So I think people who've learned in college, they, you know, if they didn't go, potentially didn't go to college, they may, may not necessarily fully know what this is, but we are getting a lesson today. Yeah, let's hold on. on David, David, I like what you just said. Uh, so David, and thanks. You're giving us good principles, mechanics. That's fine and dandy. But David, let me ask you, do you keep, do you keep a running tally of all your star stories? Backing it up. That's so important. It is so important because trust me, like I said, I'm dealing with it right now. I'm like, I did, what did I do, you know, those years ago? Or, and people are informing me of things that I completely forgot about. And they're significant. They so are. They are. you're absolutely right. Um, 
let's let's love let's and it's hopefully because i'm looking at the time right now oh let's, yeah yikes we almost like we got 10 minutes to go i just want to recap it real quick guys yes. especially for folks like dave and and winston and bb and other folks so we talked about the importance of again if you're not comfortable with networking you need to uh, really to get in to fit in you need to actually be proactive and I talked about some techniques such as uh, using uh, networking circles to kind of define your groups. I also talked about being number one, uh, number two. I mentioned about being uh, it's all about the about the about the other individual. Uh, and three, be observant. So getting in all about the other individual and being being observant. The other side when it comes to star stories, so a star story. Or a C card, the the context, challenge, action, results, or let's well, make it very easy. Uh, uh, basically, a an issue, action, results, a challenge, action, results. Kind of really is a major kind of three major parts. Is what's the problem? What what was your action? What was the results? Whatever you use, you have to actually write down your accomplishments uh, in that year that you've actually that you performed in them. I've done it all the way back to 1998. I keep a running tally of all the things I've done because uh, you're right. You know, over the over the years, you may forget of all those amazing things that you that you've done. So you got that's one area being very uh, proactive, uh, purposeful in your career management. And then, uh, of course, you know, let me just uh, just end this one part because I do want to talk about one other point with the cybersecurity. Uh, manager that I met uh, who's from the Coast Guard. When it comes to how do I know, how do I manage manage my career? career? Well, guys, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know up to 2003. I, I really didn't know. I, I went off the winds of other people told me what to do, or I just kind of blindly picked. And I finally enough was enough in 2003 when I was working in South Korea. And, uh, and I was working for the Department of the Army. I was a, a civilian public affairs officer. And so I decided to purchase resources like what colors your parachute, uh, some paid vocational tests like the Strong's inventory. I did some journaling. I then reviewed other people about me who knew me. And I was very intentional of trying to find out who I was. Now I'll just say this. I know for me right now, when it comes to my life vision and my purpose, the one advantage I have over you guys, it's not the job I'm in. It's not, you know, the titles, whatever. I have stage four cancer. And it's a blessing in one way because having this permanent disease inside me makes me very purposeful in life because, you know, my PET scans coming up. Uh, I do a PET, PET scan every three months. And so for me, I know when it does take me down sooner or later, when it does take me, um, if I died in six months from now and it's very easily I could, um, I would actually smile in bed. I would know that I actually, at least I did something for the big guy when it comes to helping people in their, find their natural bed. I, I filled that mission for him and I'm, and I'm going to smile when I pass on that. Um, I wonder if you guys can say the same thing right now today. And if you can't, um, then you need to own your own career. You need to manage it as you manage your relationships or your budget or how you take care of your car or your home. you got to manage your career. You can't passively ride the wave and turn, turn, take detours or take, make decisions 
based off other people's recommendation, you got to know what makes you tick. And one last thing with this uh, this individual uh, that I uh, that I met from the uh, Coast Guard for cybersecurity. You know, we talked about the resume backing it up. But the one thing he talked about that uh, that uh, Renee actually talked about in the beginning was, you know, basically having, you know, being being curious. And the one thing I loved what this guy said is that, Alex, I wish I could find somebody who always wants to learn. Always wants to learn because most of you people, you know, software is it software and, and, and coding is in that perpetual beta stage. It's always evolving always evolving you know and so there's always something to learn like almost every month in your career in your field so the a character trait that you could definitely highlight and also highlight on your resume is constantly being certified taking on new certifications increasing your current certifications finding ways to always learn more writing a blog uh, building your own coding doing something Always showing, be able to, to, to effectively show that you are continuing, uh, basically an individual who does continuing learning and always striving to be better. He said that was really one of the, in the top three of his things that he looks at into a candidate. Number one, he talked about, as I, as I conveyed, uh, back up that resume with star stories. Number two, Always learn, always improve, always develop. Always know that you don't know enough. And three, three, he said, make sure you have other passions in your life. He loves, he has a collection. Him, uh, his wife and him has a collection of uh, just a variety of wines. They have a wine cellar in, in California. He loves wines. Just not drinking. He loves learning about it. Can I meet him? <laughs> yes. Um, so have a passion on the outside of your work because you can't, it can't always be about work. Because as I mentioned before, if you get back into your own space and you're tired from giving to others all the time and you can't manage your career, your career, the term I use now, and I'll qualify that laziness, is because you're just too tired to manage your career because you gave more than enough, more than enough energy and resources to, to other individuals or other organizations. So always remember those three things I just want to end with before, uh, before we end tonight. And hopefully what I've said tonight will be of, of value to you guys because I really mean it. I mean, you know, I, you know, the one thing I look at in this in the climate that we're in right now, the one thing we all have in common is what value do we have to offer to the world, at least to those around us, and to be able to accomplish, accomplish your mission before before that last breath you have in life. And again, as, a, as you know, in my situation, can you smile on your deathbed knowing that you were doing what you meant to do? Or were you doing it just for either for the money or because someone told you to do it and you really don't enjoy it? So I hope that resonated with at least one individual. It absolutely did. It totally resonated with me. I think that was just so powerful and such a powerful testimony. Um, just in general, I mean, prior to you, when you when you talked about learning about yourself, What Color Is My Parachute is one of my favorite books. And we just wrote a book 
Chris Folon and Gary Hayslip and I on talking about this topic, breaking into security. And the very first thing that I said in the like the, the beginning chapters, what do I do first? And I said, do the assessment. So you talked about the strong, which is taking me back a few years because that one is one that's definitely an academic one because you don't hear about that much. Um, but the, the strong assessment, the what color is my parachute book, really just understanding who you are. And so that you don't have to try to being the best you. And being, um, as to your point, being intentional about that and not trying to fit into uh, the mold of, you know, whatever opportunity is coming like, oh, cybersecurity is hot or it's, you know, a lot. So they say, well, for some folks, you know, you can make a lot of money and all these other things versus or trying to be a pen tester because that seems like the thing to do when your, none of what your skills are or your passions are or your and nothing aligns to that particular skill set. Um, so really tr truly doing that introspection is so key. And, um, you know, telling your own story about where you are right now, you know, like you'll, you'll smile when you meet your maker to say, this is what I've done, you know, like I, I fulfilled what I came on this earth to do. And I think that's just so, so powerful. And I think, and again, it's, it's, it's been a, it's, with the help of you and others, develop, turning Federal Career Connection into a nonprofit. Uh, you know, it's been really fun to be able to give people tools to help them, you know, land gainful employment and hopefully at least ignite the, ignite the curiosity to find their own calling in life and find their own mission in life. And that yeah. equates to that natural bent that needs to be, uh, need to be fulfilled. Yeah, absolutely. So BB says, thanks very much, Alex and Renee. Awesome podcast to encourage participants to own their career. So, so very true. And David Michi says, yes, love the breaking into cybersecurity book so far. I must check out what color is my parachute. It's my, it's one of my favorite books. Yes. And David, make sure that when you purchase the, the edition I would recommend is not the latest edition, it's the 2020. That's when, that was the year that Dick Bowles, the, the original, the, 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 the author, he mm -hmm. passed away then. Passed, so the yeah. best one is, is, is 2020. Uh, he always updated his, his book every year. Every year. He considered like a, a journal. Mm -hmm. So I would actually uh, focus on the 2020 edition, David. I didn't know he passed, but for some reason I thought he passed before then. Interesting. Okay, wonderful. So Alex, I think, I mean, we're at the top of the hour right now. Yeah, we so are. I'm reminding you. Oh, hold on. From hold on. I'm sorry about that. Uh, uh, Alexa, stop. I have a reminder to unplug uh, off social media. Every <laughs> At eight o'clock. There it is. It's reminding me to unplug. Oh, my goodness. Unplug. Get out of here. So it was amazing having you as usual. Um, Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story, for giving such amazing advice every single time you come on and, you know, talking about being a continuous learner. I mean, you are the epitome of that. And I, every time I listen to someone from Federal Career Connection, I am, um, I learned something new. It's continuous learning. So it's amazing to have you on. Thank you again. 
Uh, thank you for a wonderful organization, Federal Career Connections, and all the amazing, amazing people that are a part of the organization. And I look forward to connecting with someone from FCC again next month. Same time, last Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Take care, everybody.